0: Todd's Road Campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. I found a way to make people very uncomfortable. I, I joined them in conversation and then I said something like, how old do you actually think I am? It, it's a terrifying question for most people, but for me, they never have any clue. They start to kind of like ask questions about things I might know or they might weave it in and, and they're never Right. They, they, they never have a sense of actually how old I am uh, my father uh, did not lose a single hair or have a single one turn gray until he was 70 I started balding at 19 and had gray hair by the time I was 25 I I shaved my beard and put a hat on and I looked like a very uncomfortable 12 year old like this yeah but I'm 38. I'm 1981 is my birth year. I am the pinnacle of cyniols. We uh, we stand right in the gap between Generation X and the Millennials. Uh, we we are the pioneers of the digital revolution. We're the kids who grew up with the IBM XT in our living room with the green screen. We were the first kids who typed papers for our fourth grade teachers, and they thought we were crazy for typing because you're supposed to be learning cursive. We're the group who discovered what AOL Instant Messenger was like in ICQ chat rooms. We have the very first Nintendos. We... We were digital people. Xennials should love social media, right? We're the ones who pioneered it. I hate social media. I I want to love it. I want to go to Facebook and I want to see pictures of Paige's green tea and her essential oil diffusers for school. I want to see Edie passed out in the car between her six sporting events on a Saturday. These are the things I want to see. But I log in on Facebook and I see people saying, if you don't vote for this person, you're not a Christian. I want to like Twitter because it, it has the, pot, the potential to be this place where you go and you hear sound bites of news and uh, thought leaders that you're not engaged with, but you get on there and you hear, if you're not this kind of person, you're a bigot. I want to like Instagram because, you know, what? Well, it's just a great place to go see pictures, but instead you're told that if you're not this type of woman or this type of man, you're not the ideal body. You've got these people getting paid lots of money to sell Doritos and bubbly water on Instagram. I never could figure out Snapchat, and TikTok is just—it's beyond me. Davis has amassed a a ministry with TikTok Sunday School, but I don't get it. Social media stresses me out beyond belief because it tends, in at least the people I follow and am around, to bring out the worst. It tends to be where I get my blood boiling and want to fight with somebody over something so stupid. I have dear friends that in real life we can have the most uh, dignified conversations, but when I see them tweet something, I want to fight them. Social media wears me out and brings the worst out of me. I see every little thing and want to wade in because I think I'm right and know the best way to deal with this, right? I know why you're wrong, and I'm right. I uh, even when I think I have good motives, weighed into stuff. Uh, recently there was this discussion from some friends from seminary about, uh, we don't need to worry about America being a Christian nation, we need to make more Christians in America. And of course I had to wait in on that when I said, well what I think we need to do is make more Christians Christians. I thought I was being a little bit slick, but then I actually realized that, that this is the, the conversion that I had later in life. This move from being someone who called themselves a Christian to actually a Christian. Someone who uh, went to church and had the trappings of religion, but whose heart was actually transformed and who desired to live in the image of God. Social media brings out the... um, the human desires of my heart. It is not a sanctifying space. Despite the beautiful pictures of your families that I love seeing, it's, it's a space that makes me want to be in charge. and makes me want to be the arbiter of what is good and what is bad. In social media, I stop thinking about uh, what would God desire? What is edifying and holy? How can I be an agent of God's grace in the world? And instead I think, how can I be right? I think that's a more common problem in the life of the church than we care to admit. That we tend to operate less from how would God desire us to live. And more, how would uh, our own impulses drive us? It's the... It's the very thing that's happening in today's gospel text. This crashing together of what God would desire versus what humanity desires. In last week's text, Peter is uh, the one who declares that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus says, you're correct. Uh, I'm going to build the rock, this church upon you, the rock, Peter. Things couldn't get much better for Peter. And then literally... We go to the next verse and it says from that point on Jesus declared that he was going to go to Jerusalem. He was going to suffer many things at the hands of the Pharisees and he'd be put to death. Peter thinks he knows what is right. He pulls Jesus aside and says, it can't be, no way, not not a chance. Peter the rock upon whom the church is to be built, is now, uh, in Jesus' own mouth, he's the stumbling block. Get out of the way, Satan. Peter, who was called earlier in the passage in Greek, when uh, Jesus calls him, he says, uh, Dutei apisamu. And now he says, ge apisamu. Get behind me, Satan. Peter has gone from a call to follow Jesus to running ahead of Jesus and, and trying to do what his heart thinks is Right? What his human nature says is right, which is we're gonna fight this. Surely you're not gonna to go to death. We are gonna fight this. It seems like a reasonable thought, right? If if our human instinct is to, to protect and to and to serve and and to care, saying that Jesus isn't gonna go die seems reasonable, but yet Jesus has this whole flipped inverted gospel message and says get behind me satan you're serving as a stumbling block because jesus now understands his vocation god has called him to to go to jerusalem now to die and to be glorified this looks nothing like what they would have expected Jesus to kind of go and do now. Saying Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel's hope last week, was kind of like his campaign acceptance speech, to be Israel's hope. This is the point that Jesus should build his army and go and defeat Rome, but instead he says this is the point he's going to go to a cross. And Peter, the, the rock, is now a stumbling block for the gospel. Jesus says, I'm called to do this. I'm going to suffer and be glorified. And what y'all don't get, he says, is that you disciples, if you want to follow after me, you have to understand that you're called to go and to suffer and to be glorified. You're called not to be part of the winning party, but to go and be part of a suffering party. To be on the team that is going to be humiliated in the earth's standards. But yet ultimately will be glorified. Jesus still calls us to the same calling. Which should be part of his movement, his kingdom that's breaking in, that looks... Not like the world would expect a successful uh, religious following to look. It looks like giving up power. It looks like giving up our lives. And it looks like glorification later rather than now. Sarah read our uh, epistle text for us today. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He says, uh, you know, those who want to be first should be last. Those who want to follow after me will suffer. Paul says it this way, love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like members of your own family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal. And don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions. But show respect for what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, Revenge belongs to me. I will pay back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. I wish I had seen this picture of Christianity 38 years ago. I wish it was the version of Christianity that my church had discipled me into and had pushed me towards. I wish it's the one I had understood in my early part of youth ministry. But instead I understood Christianity to be some moral group of rules and things to follow. The things to do to avoid hell and things to do to get into heaven. What I found is that I continually got it wrong. That continually I did the things that... uh, were born out of my human desires and my human instincts. Not the things that glorify God. You can go on any social media platform and it doesn't look a whole lot like Romans twelve. Does it? You can go to a lot of churches and not see a lot of Romans twelve. We stand in this gap, this moment between where Christ has suffered and been glorified and the moment where our suffering will be complete and we will be glorified. And in that time, we're going to have this pull on us, the very real realities of our broken, sinful ways clashing with our desires to be made holy. The beauty of our tradition, though, is that we actually believe we can be made holy That day after day, God will pour His grace out upon us, and that we can be a people who become perfect in holy love. That we can actually begin to embody Romans twelve. That the world will see us and say, "No, like they are actually different." We believe that this is not just some like ideal that we love our enemies. We could actually love our enemies. That we could actually care for those who persecute us. I hope you know that my heart isn't a moral religion. But a transformed heart. That my desire for Andover is the things that I've seen so many glimpses of over the last year, the way in which God has worked in and through you to be a people who embody Romans twelve. I look out upon you and I see. I see people who have dropped little pieces of heaven throughout your lives, who have modeled for the world what it means to be peacemakers, to love your enemy to care for those who harm you i see a community of people who have begun the hard work of taking up a cross who've followed after christ and who understand your vocation to go with him in suffering and to move towards glorification knowing that even in the moment it's not easy and that we're going to continually get it wrong i need to get rid of social media cuz it it continually brings out the human side of me, the side that would say, no way, Jesus. But when I stand here and see you, it's the side of me who desires holy love, who delights in the body of Christ gathered, the one who believes that that I can grow into, into perfection and that you can too and that God is doing a good thing in the midst of all the craziness in our world. It had have been easier if Jesus said, you're right Peter, we're not going to do it. We're not going to suffer and die. We're going to go build up the army and we're going to fight Rome and we're going to win. Because then it would feed our human instinct. But he didn't. He humiliated himself to the point of death on a cross. And died for each one of us. Poured out a spirit and gave birth to a church and trusted that we... We would listen to his spirit and we would respond to his grace. That we would take up his cross and our cross and follow after him. Even to the point of suffering and of humiliation. Knowing that ultimately we would be glorified. Christ knew it. He trusted us to do it. So let's do it. Amen.